0: So, John chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning. If you've got a Bible with you, get it out, open it up, turn it on. If you're in the chapel, I want to welcome you. If you're tuning in online, thanks for being with us today. So, I'm going to show you this picture, and it's of a couple little girls. One happens to be my oldest daughter, and this is a number of years ago, and the other is my niece. And we were at a science center, and they were doing these science experiments. And they were doing this one where they took a, a, like a, a plastic bottle, like a two-liter uh, bottle of soda, and they filled it. They pressurized it, filled it with air. And as it filled, it filled, it filled. And then all of a sudden when it was full, it would just go whoosh and just launch. And this picture was taken at the exact right moment. And as you can see, these girls are pretty impressed by what they were doing. Just, I love mouths open, just eyes as big as dinner plates, just so excited. When did we stop being like that? Like, when did we stop being amazed? Remember, you used to be amazed at stuff. When you were a kid, grandpa would reach behind your ear and he'd pull out a quarter and you'd just freak out. You'd be like, how did he do that? Is there more back there? Like, what's going on? Or you'd wake up and it'd be snowing outside. You didn't even wait to get the snow boots on. You just went out and just ran outside and just head back, a mouth open, just catching snowflakes, right? It was so much fun. When you're a kid, you're just amazed by stuff. Why did it stop? When did we give up on, on being excited and amazed and, and just being in awe? Like, when's the last time that you were just amazed by God? Just, you know, the details of something lined up perfectly, or something happened, and you couldn't really explain, it. you just went like, Wow! So John chapter 9, John is going to tell us there are two different kinds of people. Remember why John writes his gospel. He is one of Jesus' best friends, and he writes his gospel. He says, I'm writing all this so that you would believe. You would believe in the name of Jesus and have life. And so he's writing, and he says, there are two different types of people. There are people who are blind blind. And there are people who can see. And he's talking about spiritual sight. And so I'll just give you the punchline before we even get into the passage. There are only two types of people. There's no fuzzy middle. There's no in-between. Either you're a person who's going to go through life, and you're always going to be looking for logic and reason and an explanation. This is a person who is spiritually blind. A spiritually blind person is always asking the question, how? always needing an explanation. John's going to tell us there's another kind of person. This is a person who just humbly is ready to be amazed, is, is willing to look at life and look for God to move. A person with spiritual sight is a person that asks, who? And these are the only two types of people there are. As you go through life, As you look at the world, the events in your life, things that are happening, you're either going to ask how and want an explanation and be frustrated until you get one, or you're going to trust in who. So maybe this morning it's been a while since you were wowed by God. I hope we can stir some of that back up today. Maybe for you it's been so long that... Honestly, you've kind of started to wonder if he's really still there. You know he is, but it doesn't feel like it. Seems like he's moved on. He's working on other people's problems. He kind of gave up on you. You can choose to believe that. But I'm going to suggest, and I'm going to ask, is it possible that you've just stopped seeing? That you've stopped waiting to be amazed. You've stopped hoping to be in awe. You've stopped expecting God to show up. So John chapter 9. Jesus has just finished picking a fight with a group of people called the Pharisees, and these are the religious leaders uh, in Israel. And in Jewish history, if you go back in the Old Testament, there are two really important people that are kind of the heroes of Israel. There's a guy named Moses, and there's a guy named Abraham. And Abraham is the patriarch of Israel. He's the father of the nation. These guys, like, look to him. He is on this pedestal. And Jesus has just gotten done telling the Pharisees. He says, I'm greater than Abraham. And they're furious. They want to bury him. But it's not time for that to happen yet. And so, we get to chapter 9, and here's what John writes to tell us. He says, as he, that's Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So it was a common thought in their culture that if something bad happened, if, if somebody had an injury or a disease, or if somebody was like born disabled, that something Some sin had caused that. So because he was born blind, they're going, okay, was it something he did? Or is this possibly something that his parents did? Verse 3, Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him okay, this is super important. This man is is born blind. Pretty significant thing. That would impact the way you lived your life, especially in the first century. And so his disciples are asking this question, why did this happen? And, And maybe the implication, sort of the underlying thing they're asking Jesus is, why did you let this happen? And listen to what Jesus says. Listen again. He says, This happened so that, whenever I see, I'm reading my Bible and I see the words so that, I'm circling them, I'm highlighting them, underlining them, something, because it's explaining something to me. This is important. This happened, Jesus says, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So let me translate that for you. His blindness is for God's glory. This man is blind because somehow it's going to increase God's glory. It's going to point people to give glory to God. Now, when I talk about, when I say the glory of God, what are we talking about? Something that, you know, something that points people to the beauty, the perfection, the greatness of God. And in this case of Christ. So this man was born blind. The reason that he is blind is because somehow God is going to use that to display his glory. Somehow, in this man's blindness, people around him, people who hear his story, somehow, they're going to be pointed back to the beauty and the perfection and the greatness of Christ. Did you know the Bible says the same is true in your life and in mine? That there is a christ glorifying purpose for your pain? Every time there is a Christ-glorifying purpose for your pain, somehow your pain is meant to point people to God's glory. Somehow your pain is meant to show people the goodness and the beauty and the perfection of Christ. Yeah, even the pain that we caused to ourselves because we did something stupid— Or the pain that someone causes to us. All of our pain. God has a purpose. And it is Christ glorifying. So think about Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. In all things, God works for the good. Well, what is the most good thing? It is God's glory. So in all things... God is working for his glory. Your pain has a purpose, and it's somehow to show people the glory, the beauty, the perfection, and the greatness of God. Think about it for a minute. All things. So your God can use your cancer to glorify Christ. God can use your unemployment to glorify Christ. God can use your infertility to glorify Christ. God can use the pain from your divorce to glorify Jesus Christ. God can use the death of a loved one to glorify Christ. God can use the flat tire on your car to glorify Christ. God can use... When your kid is sick to glorify Christ, God can use a D you got on a test at school to glorify Christ. That's what John is telling us. Now, you have to decide if you believe that, whether or not you believe that God has a purpose for your pain. Either God has a purpose for your pain or he doesn't. Now, here's just my input. Here's my advice. If God has no purpose for your pain, you should not follow him because he's a tyrant and he's just mean. But if God is so great that he has a purpose for everything that you go through, for all of your pain. And His purpose is to glorify Jesus Christ, the same Son who He sent to earth, to die on a cross in place of me and you. If God is that great that He has a purpose for everything and a plan and can orchestrate everything, then you have to decide whether or not He's worth following. I believe that God never wastes pain. I believe that if we are humble, He uses our pain for the purpose of glorifying Christ. He uses it for the most good, all things. But we got to go back into the story because some of us, we may never see that. If you're spiritually blind, you won't see God at work. You won't see that he has a purpose for your pain. And you'll go through life and you'll be miserable and you'll be ever increasingly frustrated and annoyed and disappointed by God because where is he? So look at verse 6. Remember, we have a man who was born blind. The disciples asking what happens. Verse 6. Jesus, after saying this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing all right okay now we got ourselves the healing and this one's kind of unique jesus appears to just walk over he scoops up some dirt and puts it on the man's eyes i have no idea why he did this or why he used this method for healing this man but there's something about it that's personal there's something about it that's intimate because it has to do with his mouth so like think about it. a little kid riding their bike, falls off their bike, what happens? Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, somebody usually runs over, scoops the kid up and what? Kisses the boo-boo, right, on their knee, on their elbow. Well, you would never do that with a stranger, right? Like if you see a stranger fall off their bike, don't do that, it's weird. Don't go over and like, oh, can I kiss your boo-boo for you? No, you may not. There's something about it that's, it's close. Something about Jesus' character, he wanted to be close and personal with this man. So it says the man goes down to wash uh, in the water, to wash his eyes in the water, which I'm always like, yeah, a dude just spit in your face. I'd be running down to wash my face off a little bit too. But he goes down there and he puts some water in his hands and he splashes it on his face and guess what? He can see. I mean, that had to be, oh my gosh, amazing, overwhelming, yeah, like he had never seen before, and now he can see, have you watched, there's videos on YouTube, you can watch of people like who are colorblind, and they give them these special glasses, and they put them on, and they see color for the first time, it's amazing, or you, there's videos of people who are are hard of hearing, and they get implants, and they turn those on, and they hear for the first time. And I watch these videos on YouTube, and I bawl like a baby every time because it's awesome. But imagine this. He's never been able to see in his life. And, And now he washes his face, and he can see. And you would think that people would be excited for him. You would think that people would just like unashamedly be just enthusiastic, over the top, let's have a party, let's celebrate, like this is a big deal. But remember, I said earlier, somewhere along the way we stopped getting excited. We stopped being amazed and in awe of things. Somehow we're spiritually blinded by the things that God is doing all around us. So we're going to see a number of different reactions to this guy being able to see. They all have something in common. All all of these people, they want an explanation. They're like, we want to know how this happened. Watch this, verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. I love this. They're like, isn't that Bill? Like, we, we grew up with Bill. We went to school with Bill. We used to carry his lunch tray in the cafeteria for him. That's Bill. Other people are like, no. They got like a stunt double in here. That's not really Bill. Jesus had another guy kind of looks like him. And he's like, Bill's like, come on. It's, hello, it's me, it's Bill. You've known me your whole life. Look at their response in verse 10. How then were your eyes opened? They asked. All right, Bill. We need an explanation. You say that you were blind and you say now that you can see, you've got to be able to tell us how. I mean, Bill would be able to give us an explanation. If you can't give us an explanation, you're not Bill. Like you're evil, separated at birth, twin of Bill. We don't know, but you can't be... Bill, we need to know how. Look what happens next, verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him, How? There it is again. How he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied. And I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. We, we got to know, Bill, we can't just have dudes running around healing people. It doesn't work that way. That's no good for anybody. We need a better system. What's going on here? How did this happen? It, he's, some people are like, well, he has to be from God. Who else could give someone sight? And the Pharisees are like, that's what we intend to find out. So they get this brilliant plan. They, Bill. Go get your parents and bring them here. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We'll go straight to the source. So that's what they do. They bring his parents. Watch this, verse 19. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? They're already starting to hedge their bet. How is it? There it is again. How is it that now he can see his parents answered and they say, We know he is our Son, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So that last piece is kind of interesting. The Pharisees had already made up their minds. Anyone who sides with Jesus is just out. Like, you're just, no second chances. You are out. And it just strikes me that there are some people who have already made up their mind about Jesus. And it just feels like no matter what we do, they're not going to believe. Like, you could have, God could do skywriting. And it wouldn't be enough. God could like peel back the heavens. And they wouldn't believe. Like God himself could leave heaven and step foot on earth. That's what we're talking about. God did that. And they still don't believe. It seems like some people have just made up their mind about Jesus. I don't know You know what background you come from. I don't know what you came here with in your heart today. My hope is that you have room for Jesus in your heart and your mind. So we have these different interactions. First the neighbors. How'd this happen? Then the Pharisees. How could could this happen on the Sabbath? How could a sinner do this? Even the parents like, we want to know how did this happen? And so one more time, the Jewish leaders, they call him in, Bill, get in here. This time you're under oath, and you better tell the truth. We know this man's a sinner. How, how, how'd this all go down? Look at his answer, verse 25. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, here it is, this is the, like, I'm telling you guys, this is the part I do know. I don't know about that other stuff. Here's what I do know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I love that. I don't know how it happened. You can hear it in his voice. He's like, honestly, I don't really care how it happened. Here's what I know. I woke up this morning and I couldn't see a ding dong thing. This guy came along, put some dirt on my face, and now the lights are on. I can see. I don't think he cares how. But the Pharisees, they can't live without an explanation. They have to know how. Did you know there are some things that we just don't have an explanation for? So take something like, take medicine. We have incredible, God has given us incredible medicine. He's given us incredible minds that create pharmaceuticals. So much so that, like, we we know, you know, this medicine can treat this ailment. This medicine can cure this thing, right? It's, it's amazing. And and so we give certain things for certain ailments. So if you have an infection, we might give you penicillin. If you get in, like, a cold, we give you one of those z pack things, which is, like, amazing, right? And, then, and the thing is, when you're sick, you don't really care how you get better. You just want to be better? You just want to feel better? So we have all this medicine, and we know medicine A treats ailment A. And if you ask a scientist or a healthcare professional, and you go, why does that work? They, they can start to explain it. Well, it's because of this component in the drug and this part of, of the disease or the illness, and they can start to explain. It. You go, okay, that's cool. And they go, why does that work? And they drill down a little deeper into the science. You go, okay, well, tell me more about that. Why does that work? And they go down a little further and a little, they keep going. Did you know that eventually when you get to like the molecular cellular level and you ask a scientist, a healthcare professional, why does it, why does that medicine work for that? Their answer is, we don't know. With the science that we have now, there's a point where they go, yeah, we don't know. Something happens. And what I would say is that spiritual sight tells us it's not something that happens. It's someone that happens. Listen to the rest of John 9. The man and the Pharisees, they continue, they get in this fight, and the Pharisees, they just can't stand not knowing how did this happen. And Bill has had enough, and Bill is like hollering back at him. And so finally they just throw him out of the synagogue. Watch what happens. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And for the first time in that day, someone is going to finally ask the right question. Verse 36, he says, who is he, sir? Tell me. So that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, how did you do that? No, that's not what he said. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. See, our guy wasn't concerned with how, how. He just wanted to know who, because I was blind. I couldn't see anything, and then I could see. And frankly, I don't care how, I just want to know who, because whoever could do that, first I want to say thank you, and then, oh, I want to know more about them, because that person is special, and I might even want to follow them for a while. Let me finish the story. Verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment... I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and said, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but you claim that you can see, so your guilt remains. You know, we think we're so smart, we think we have all the answers. We think we have all the explanations. But isn't it true that sometimes all the the wisdom gets in our way? I mean, that's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees here. You guys, you just want to know how. You just want an explanation. It's all you care about. But you're missing out on what's happening right in front of you. There was a man that woke up this morning that couldn't see. And now he can. He can. And you guys, you can't even be excited for him. You don't even care. You can't even celebrate because all that matters to you is how did this happen? Are you missing out on what God is doing in your life? Are you missing out on how God is working all around you in every area of your life? Because you are so worried about how. God, I need need a detailed list of what's gonna happen if you want me to follow you, God. I need some some directions, I need to see the itinerary. We get so caught up in how. How am I gonna get through this? How is my marriage gonna survive? How am I gonna go another year in a dead-end job? How am I gonna afford college? How am I going to beat this addiction? And we look at God and we just go, God, how? We need to know, how is it all going to happen? And it sounds valid and reasonable. But John says those are the words of a blind man. And his whole point is that Jesus wants to open your eyes to how God is working in every area of your life. And when you're walking with Jesus and your eyes are open, you don't really care how anything happens, you just know who you're walking with. And you start to see God work all around you. Yes, in your joy, but also in your pain to know that he is working. Here's what's so incredible is that Jesus, and as we've been marching through John, we've seen this time and time again, Jesus does not force himself on anyone. But if we are humble and we say, God, I want to see. God, I'm ready to be amazed. God, I believe you are going to show up. God, give me sight. Oh, he fills our heart, And he doesn't stop until we see Jesus at the center and at the bottom of everything. And you will see, God will open your eyes, and you would even see that Your pain has a purpose. If you will ask God to open your eyes, you will see it. You can be amazed again. You can look at God and be excited again. You can look to God and to the future and feel like this again. Let's pray. God, would you open our eyes that we would see your hand at work? Father, you haven't stopped working. You're at work in every area of our lives. We've just stopped seeing Help us to see. Help us to know. God, for some of us, it feels like we've felt like you're not there, but you are. For some of us, we are going through some season of pain, and we're just going, how are we going to get out of this? Why are we going through this? God, help us just to lean into you and to trust who is walking with us. God, maybe somebody came here today and they've been living in spiritual blindness and spiritual darkness. And for the first time, they're hearing about a God who loves them, who has a purpose for every part of their life, who sent his son to die on a cross for our sins, to give us eternal life. Father, stir stir in our hearts. God, for the rest of us, if we've stopped seeing, help us to see you at work. And God, help us to see the people around us the way you see them. It's through Christ I pray. Amen.